0: G'day, it's Russell Howcroft here. I'm the Chief Creative Officer of the Sayers Group and a founding partner at Sayers. We believe all business, all good business starts with a fantastic conversation. So we thought, well, let's create a podcast and let's call it Conversations. We hope you enjoy this one. Okay, so welcome to a Sayers Conversation. Now, I am with a woman called Prue, Prue Gilbert. Prue's the co-founder of... Um, along with her husband, Ben, and she's CEO of a organisation called Grace Papers. Now, Grace Papers. Prue, welcome. Thank you. Good to see you. Now, I'm going to ask you a question before we um, have a bit of fun. So, Grace Papers, what is it?
1: Grace Papers is a career coaching platform that accelerates workplace gender equality.
0: A career coaching platform, so mm-hmm. digital. Digital. career coaching platform that?
1: Accelerates gender equality.
0: Okay, fantastic. So, thank you. Thank you, Prue. No now, um, what we love to do uh, on our Sayers conversation is just make sure that whoever's sitting opposite me is feeling really comfy. Um, we don't know each other, so we haven't got an instant rapport. So, what we try and do is uh, <laughs> use the wonders of audio in order to, wonders of sound of SFX in order to get us in the mood, so to speak. Okay, so. Um, a few sounds listen to I think there's probably five listen to the sounds and tell me which one just um, makes you feel most comfortable and and puts you in a place where you're happy to have a chat. Let's go for the first one. This is Freddie by the way, Freddie. What do we got there? We've got fire, fireside, waterside, side, sailing maybe, and forest. What do, you, what do you reckon?
1: Well, I'm trying to decide whether I want to be beachside or uh, or at the pub. Yeah, <laughs> well. <laughs> one one tends to lead to the other <laughs> over mass summers.
0: <laughs> Good on you. Uh, and there are a lot of places where beaches are close to pubs. Correct. So why, why, let's just sort of – that's what we're doing, okay? We Maybe we're on um, – we might be on a New South Wales coast somewhere. Um, and then just behind us is the a powerball, the RSL, yeah. magnificent. Um, or maybe we're in Queensland and there's a surf club just behind us as well. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. All right. So that's where we are. That's where we are. Um, and let's get on with having our conversation, Prue. So tell me about the digital platform because um, that's sort of where I'm going. Oh, how does that work? So anti discrimination
1: mm-hmm.
0: platform. So w- what's that all mean?
1: I might go back a step and uh, tell you a little bit about me and how I got started. So my background is I'm actually a lawyer and I did my time in private practice uh, before becoming general counsel of a listed company and while I was there I was presented with an opportunity really to use my position uh, to advocate for a change from a gender equality perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And on the back of the work that we did there I could see an opportunity to set up a consultancy. And we initially started consulting to organisations on their gender strategy and compliance uh, obligations. But what kept on happening was we kept on hearing from women, primarily at that stage, that the challenges they faced as they navigated parental leave were really significant.
0: Right. So those challenges are social or the the challenges in that they didn't really know what what their rights were?
1: They didn't really know their rights but they also were not even aware that they were experiencing discrimination as part of the journey that they were on Uh, and organisations were struggling to keep them. And there used to be this narrative, you know, this is going back a while now, that women didn't come back after their second baby. Mm -hmm. Uh, And certainly even when I uh, got the job as general counsel, uh, I remember the CEO saying exactly those words to me. Oh, you know, it was initially a uh, maternity leave cover. Yeah. He said, she won't come back, it's her second baby. Right, okay.
0: <laughs> so, so was he disappointed by sa- in saying that or was he pleased in saying that?
1: A mix of both. He knew that he needed to redesign a role for her yeah. uh, and that was his intention. Um, but he, he had made the assumption that she wasn't as ambitious as she previously was, um, and that I could take on the role of general counsel. So it was really presenting it to me as a big opportunity.
0: Okay, so that gave you an opportunity Mm. to use... Exactly,
1: (laughs) that insight. Right, so how how did you go? Well... Well,
0: I was thinking that you could use that insight for your personal gain, but also to set up a business, right? So this is interesting. Correct. We're (laughs) we're going to get hardcore here, Prue, just to warn you. Right? We're going to get really
1: hardcore. <laughs> I enjoy it. Uh, it did, I guess, present that opportunity to look at it through the lens of, well, this doesn't quite feel right in terms of the way it's being presented to me. Yeah. And yet I need this job and I want this job. Yeah. Uh, so there was that conflict between my own ambitions but also a value space. Yeah. Um and look I, I ended up having the conversation with uh, the person the whose person role I was yeah, yeah yep. rep- uh, taking on to talk about how do we set this up together. <laughs> yep, good. So that it is mutually beneficial. Yeah. And that her career aspirations were mesh and her financial expectations were also mesh, as were mine. And so we she ended up becoming company secretary. I became general counsel. Okay. And we had each other's backs the whole way through it okay. every time there was a pay negotiation we had each other's back you know and all of those sorts of things well so
0: engineered very well done okay so but that also presented to you what you what you saw as a business opportunity
1: yes eventually yeah um, it did come up as a business opportunity, okay. uh, and so and that's really what we evolved into today. So, uh, very much in those early days, I ended up going back and getting uh, some coaching accreditation, and uh, and actually started piloting these coaching experiences yes. on on my mates. Yeah. You know, they'd come over for either wine yeah. or yeah. you know chocolate, depending on whether they were pregnant or not, mm-hmm. uh, and started working with them on. You know how they could actually set themselves up for success as they were navigating these complex systems that didn't necessarily include women's experiences in the workplace. So
0: the system when you when you talk about the co- a complex system, are you talking about the the unseen, unsaid um, cultural norms, or are you actually talking about systems that exist that get in the way?
1: Yeah, both the workplace systems.
0: Right. So I don't I don't know what you mean.
1: Uh, how organisations manage people and uh, even parental leave as part of that. Yeah. So the career breaks that you have to have if you are having a baby.
0: Yeah. So how they actually – so, and one of the things which I reckon is difficult Mm -hmm. is the notion that um, all organisations are equal. Um, They're not. So an organisation which is um, fifteen people may is, is highly likely to be entirely different to one with one hundred and fifty, entirely different to some, but one with one thousand five hundred. Sometimes it feels to me that there is an expectation that the fifteen person organisation ought to behave like the fifteen hundred person organisation. So how do you help people with that, or it's one size fits all?
1: I think it's looking at it through the human perspective first you know in many ways we can overcomplicate experiences such as parental leave or workplace flexibility yeah uh by saying you know it's all about the policy and yes this is where you do actually have the much bigger organizations have far more sophisticated policies you know in the professional services space at the moment amazing paid parental leave policies are a competitive advantage
0: yeah
1: that's right um Yet if we pull it back to, well, what are we actually really trying to achieve here? We're trying to recognise that parental leave and becoming a parent is a fundamental human right. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do we recognise uh, that experience and those rights through the lens of workplaces, regardless of whether you have 10 people or, you know, as is the case in some of our biggest clients like Woolworths. 200,000 yeah. people,
0: and I can see why how it works for uh, large organisations um, because they just you know how you how they navigate their way around hundreds and thousands of people. Where you got to have systems in place. So I, I really so is that your major customer or major customers? Yeah. Are the other large organisations?
1: Uh, yeah, we work with uh, pretty large organisations, but anything really from a uh, hundred employees to. Okay. Uh, That's 200,000 employees. Okay,
0: so I'm going back to when um, I had a business. Got to 70 people Mm -hmm. and uh, young families were all starting to appear and this is, you know, 25 years ago, really. Um, Gee whiz, we really struggled. Uh, And we struggled to know what was right. Um, Not just in a legal sense, actually, just in a, you know, cultural sense. So do you help? Well, I suppose where I'm going here is younger organisations. Are you able to give them a hand on... What, what the right thing to do is.
1: Absolutely. And the, they tend to often know what the right thing to do is because they have closer connections, particularly from a leadership perspective, yep. to employees. So they see the human first. I think where they, uh, they can trip over is they're often growing quite fast as well and so there is so much change in, say, the period of 12 months um, when somebody does go off on parental leave so that how do they reflect the the legal requirements if you like on that mm-hmm. front by holding a role for that period of time when yeah. actually roles move so change so quickly yes. uh, these days that, that that seems to be a really significant challenge for smaller organizations as well whereas the bigger ones you can find another role yeah. that is of equivalent yeah. uh On that path.
0: So, do you think we've so how far have we come in um, twenty years?
1: Well, I think we've actually come a really long way in terms of uh, shifting attitudes towards uh, certainly towards women remaining in the workforce uh, and increasingly seeing an equal responsibility for men and women to take on parenting and caregiving responsibilities. And there are some great big organisations who are leading the way yep. uh, on that front uh, and really propelling that social change. I think we've still got a long way to go in terms of getting government policy to catch up. Uh, it's
0: interesting, yeah. I suppose that's true. Um, as you said earlier, the large consultancies, for example, they are using it as competitive advantage. They will be ahead of the government for
1: sure. Definitely. And they have been for a while I think, you know, we've had uh, paid parental leave legislation review uh, took place a a couple of weeks ago uh, at the federal level and really it's just a missed opportunity. You know, we've got the second lowest uh, paid parental leave policy of any OECD country. Yeah. And rather than reforming it, it's just incremental improvements. So we can't catch up and close, you know, the gender gaps... Right. Uh, from pay performance participation
0: okay so you're in charge right i've just made you in charge you're 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 the boss right of Thank the you. of the entire country so what so what do you do you so oecd mm-hmm. so what are we we're the 15th biggest economy in the world they're mm-hmm. all thereabouts so on that ranking we we want to be at least 15th right because at the moment we're what second last yeah okay so what are you going to do
1: well, I would definitely reform paid parental leave so that it was no longer a competitive advantage for organisations. Oh, but that's a pity, actually for those, that's a
0: pity for those that use <laughs> it for a competitive advantage.
1: Well, it is, but I think that they've got far more innovations up their sleeve if they uh, they remove this one. Okay. And I would create a paid parental leave, so introduce a paid parental leave scheme of 52 weeks. Paige. 52
0: weeks. Can I share that? So I'm a parent. Mm-hmm. Yes. So can that can that be twenty six each?
1: It can be twenty six each, mm-hmm. uh, but I would also have a specific, dedicated use it or lose it quota.
0: Okay, use it or lose it for the so father. For the
1: so yes, it can be shared. In fact, that's what we're actually advocating for. But we know that there are significant barriers uh, to men taking up paid parental leave, even where it is is available to them.
0: Okay, so use it or lose it. So let's just say so it's, there's fifty two weeks. And I can share that. Yes, so I can do twenty six, twenty six, which is a choice of the parents. Yes, because we're actually going to allow the parents to have a choice here. That's good yes. news. Yes. Um, but what's the use it or use it element of the fifty two weeks?
1: We would want a component of that Why? to be dedicated for men to use it. Why? Because you cannot shift gender equality without. Uh, Disrupting the status quo at the time that uh, people become parents. Okay,
0: I'm all good with disruption. Okay, so you want to disrupt the status quo? What else are you going to do? So we're, you're the boss. Uh, you're going to get us to 15 on OECD. So, or is that it? You just do that and it's done.
1: Not well. No, I think that's the very beginning uh-huh. of uh, <laughs> of the way that that yeah. gets implemented. Well, come on. I, well, I'd have paid. Pre- I'd have superannuation payments uh, on that
0: during the 52 weeks off. Yep. Sure. What else? Uh, Double their salary.
1: uh, No, I would not be doubling their salary. But I got more costs. Who's got more costs? The The parents parents, do. Yes, they do. But I think if they're getting paid for that period, that so it's their choice, right? Okay. Yep, (laughs) their absolutely. (laughs) Look, I think some of the other initiatives that are actually in play I would be uh, continuing with as well, the introduction of Respect at Work. Uh, This week we expect to see the passing of legislation uh, in relation to the Workplace Gender Equality Act uh, that will see all organisations with over 100 employees um, have their gender pay gap published. Yeah, so the
0: gender pay gap—it it really intrigues me. This one, mm-hmm. in my experience, um, it doesn't matter what the the position may be a different a different sex, but the money's not different.
1: Oh yes, it is.
0: So you have you have to explain mm-hmm. that to me because I, I I go okay, so there's a writer X. Yes. Um, that's a one hundred thousand dollar position. I don't care what the who, you know I don't care who they like to go to bed with. Um, you just pay a hundred thousand dollars.
1: Well. And this is probably where there are two different definitions of the gender pay gap. So, uh, which uh, right. I'm assuming so you, you already know, but uh, let's go there. There's uh, there's the gender pay gap point from a like for like perspective,
0: right? And uh, tell me, and what, tell me about that. So, like for like, as in position for position, position p- for position, right. and
1: the law is and has been. I think we've uh, we've won this rush multiple times now, through different forms of legislation. Is that uh, work of equivalent value must be paid yeah. the same? So, and I don't think most people disagree with that. It can
0: get it can get difficult, um, you know. Like for example, talent, um, you know, a pure talent based um, uh, position. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can get. I think it can get tough. However, having said that, yes. And that is precisely what should happen and that, I hope, is in the main what does happen. I'd be very surprised if it's, um, if it's anywhere close to 10% where that happens. Anyway, what's the other one?
1: Uh, the other one is actually when you look at the total REM by gender or the average REM by gender.
0: Yes, averages I can get can become quite good. In terms of showing the
1: gap? Showing the total pay gaps. Okay. Therefore, between what men earn within this organisation and what women would earn on average. And
0: Um, is that because of the shape of the organisation? So, for example, there's 100 people in the organisation. It's got a triangular shape. um, In the upper half, as much as anything because of legacy, there are more men there than there are women and as a result, the average goes up for men. Correct. So it's not really a fair comparison.
1: Well, it like actually, for likes, is one
0: hundred percent fair. Like, there's no argument. Yeah, except organizational average, I reckon, is interesting.
1: I think the assumption that you just made in that is that it's based on legacy, and so when we look at organizations and yep. their promotion ratios by gender, yeah, it's it's not equal, and this is where there is so much gender bias uh, that still exists within the way that uh, we evaluate and promote.
0: I reckon it can get really tough. So I, I can rem- remember being put in a position, um, actually it was an, in an interview, so a public position, and, and I said, I'm, I am 1,000% for equal opportunity in every way, shape and form mm-hmm. until you, Prue, want my job.
1: Totally. And this is why gender equality is so challenging is because it's about power.
0: That is all about power. That's yeah. right. Yeah, but I would expect you to be the same. Right? You, you're all for it until you see me coming after you, until you're in a position of power and I, and you're going, no, you're not having it.
1: Well. Because in the
0: end it's competitive, isn't it? And in the end it's a triangle and a triangle means as, as you go up every line there are less people. So someone wins and someone loses.
1: Uh, but that's only looking up through your own lens. You know, when you're building your team, yep. presumably you want that team to be the highest performing team of course. that you can develop. Of course. If there is gender imbalance in there, yep. you're unlikely to be leveraging uh, or accessing totally right. the top talent.
0: Could not agree with you more.
1: So, And this is where I guess our workplace systems have not evolved enough uh, to enable women yeah. to continue so, accessing.
0: Yeah. I'm all generous. for positive discrimination too, by the way, just so that we've got that on the table <laughs> as well. Yeah? So I, uh, what I think is really interesting, if I may, I think that the, D, the D&I world mm-hmm. hasn't done enough communication on it is, economic, it is economically to your benefit to be a and i person, D&I organisation, to have D&I running through your veins. It makes you money. Do you agree with that? No, Do you, not do you agree with it, that it makes you money. Do you agree that we haven't done enough to promote that? Or maybe you don't agree with me. You think it is just about society or I think it's actually about running a better organisation.
1: I think it's about running a better organisation. I think uh, there is so much research and you know, it is effectively indisputable Right. that gender equality within an, your organisation produces better financial outcomes. Right. So and it's I indisputable. I often, s- I often start, you know, these conversations with leadership leadership teams saying, it's indisputable and we all agree with the business case on this, right? Yes, 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 yes. And then I'll flick to the next slide that actually shows the way they're measuring, um, you know, yeah. and promoting uh, women and men within their organisation. Yeah. We call it the gender jaws. And I'll say... But actually, we also don't believe in it. Yeah. You know, so we believe in the theory of it, but we don't believe in the practice of it. Yeah.
0: So when you, when you are um, coaching, mm-hmm. do you actually say, so let's not confuse the conversation with actually action. Mm-hmm. And so here are, the acts, right. here are the acts that you need to embark on. So give us a bit of a clue. Well, not a clue. Tell us what the acts are.
1: Yeah, well, I think the first thing is actually looking at the right data. Uh, So, so often organisations will say, we've got a target from a gender equality perspective. Great, awesome. And often you'll hear that 40, 40, 20, you know, so we'll... Yeah, heard it. And all that happens though is we never actually look at the 40 and 20. We only ever look at how we're tracking from a women perspective in leadership and we just focus on celebrating, oh, we've gotten to 35% women. We've gotten to 38% women. Yeah,
0: but we don't want to celebrate blokes losing their job though, do
1: we? No, but you need to actually look at the evolving gender ratios uh, by promotion level in order to understand what's actually going on from a bias perspective behind the scenes. And when you actually start to do that, you start to find that you've got a whole lot of talent trapped in part-time roles that are not... Reflective of capability or potential um, and usually very gendered. Um, You've got, yes, concern? No, keep going. (laughs) Come on, throw it out, hit me with it.
0: (laughs) So if, let's say you and I um, wanted to join the Viennese Orchestra, Mm -hmm. so what we would have to do in order to join the orchestra is audition behind a curtain. Mm-hmm. Do you think we need to get to that point?
1: No, I don't. I um, I have more faith in humans that, in terms of educating them around exactly what you said before the you know the case for gender equality, the financial case, the financial case, but also the safety case. You know, and I think this is where we're actually seeing. Um, leaders is prick up uh, historically they'd say yeah, 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 the business case get it but
0: do they, do they really don't really it? care for it. No. Well, The you business, know, I the think business w- case would be about minimising risk right? Well, well, I'm well talking about the
1: financial the, case. As, as in yep.
0: more growth and better revenue, better revenue yep. better profit.
1: Because in their minds they're thinking well, but I actually did the recruiting and I think I have found the best people for this role you know, you kind of drilling down on to an individual who's got an all-male team. Yeah. If they've done the recruiting, that, that's really what they're thinking. But we are increasingly seeing uh, leaders uh, more attuned to their personal reputational risk mm-hmm. by having, let's say, an all-male team yeah. uh, or a very small minority of women as part of their team and... Uh, the potential exposure to sexual harassment. Um, they're probably less concerned about the discrimination element, to be perfectly frank. Unfortunately, even though you know it's significant and contributes to that financial piece, um, but I think they look back and you know we we can sit there and and quote you know do you want to be the next AMP? Do you and managing that level of risk or you know. The Dyson Haydens of this world, mm-hmm. um, there is less tolerance for inappropriate behaviour, and I think the real shift uh, that has come over the past four years is we actually believe women's lived experiences of sexual harassment, yeah. discrimination, yeah. in a way that we never did before.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Now I um I pitched an idea to the ABC to make a TV show, it's a while ago now, and um, it was called Walking with Statues. The whole idea being that uh, you could go for a walk around a city and there'll be statue X, Y and Z and each of those statues would have a story to tell. The theory being, if you've got a statue then you've done something that's interesting. How do you reckon I'd go pitching that to you?
1: Well, I do sit on a board (laughs) where we are looking at, uh, we've looked at the number of statues of women uh, across Victoria and uh, now across Australia and it is atrocious. So the history uh, of significant people uh, represented, you know, in Victoria is represented representative solely of men yep um so yeah not terribly well at the moment
0: no 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 i i I don't think i'll try and pitch it again (laughs) because one thing i know for certain the abc ain't gonna buy it now that's absolutely for certain i was um reading an article about concussion a couple of weeks ago and um a headmistress in um sydney Mm -hmm. she said we love everything about the afl Apart from how dangerous it is, and they're not playing there. It's all girls' school. They're not going to play footy there anymore. So, you're involved with AFLW, I think. I um,
1: sat on the inaugural AFL Players Association Advisory Committee. Yeah, Laura,
0: sensational. Yeah. So, t- tell me, tell me the role that you think AFLW is playing in sort of the broader society picture.
1: Mm. I think AFLW culture is awesome. Yeah it's inclusive it is representative of so many diverse groups um and it's really fun um we've got three kids I've got two sons who play at AFL and I've got a daughter who plays AFLW and you know they're sort of 11 and 12 the girls uh, in her team and it is just fun but it is. It's every body shape. It's um. You know, it it's not your, just your Type A personalities who mm-hmm. um or your traditional, you know, footy jock who uh, who is playing AFL. And I think that that is wonderful for sport. Um, and sport has a unique opportunity to lead on inclusion uh, in our country.
0: Um, I remember seeing a chart. Um, at a consultancy, but this was a long time ago, where they represented the 1950s by a triangle with the you know the base on the bottom, uh, and then they represented the 1970s as basically an upside down triangle. Um, everything had been reshaped mm-hmm. because of the social revolution that went through that was um, in the 1970s, not the least of which because of the pill. So, do you reckon we're in a second social revolution now?
1: It does feel that way, yes. Yeah. And I think sport has had a significant impact and influence on that. You know, the AFLW is renegotiating their uh, collective bargaining agreement at the moment. Um, There are other sports that have taken the lead in creating a single CBA. Um, So, you know, so that's reflective. And, look, there are significant legislative tailwinds that are going to change workplaces as well. Yep. And I think also on the back of COVID, you know, everything is new in terms of the way that we work. You know, everyone th- seems to think that we should be able to get hybrid rush, you know, immediately. And yet we've only been at it for 12 months. Like if this was actually a change, met- a, a program that we were introducing into a big organization. Mm-hmm have had two or three years of change management processes and training and mapping and workforce planning and, you know, role design and and all the rest of it to actually figure out how to do this. Yeah. You know, it's it's all been completely upended. It has.
0: It has. I, 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 I genuinely – I think we are in the middle of a – what will be known as – I mean, I don't think – well, I suppose you have to have a second revolution in order to acknowledge the, the first one as the first. So – we did have a revolution in the 70s, for sure, mm-hmm. uh, and what interests me is that during the 1970s people were on the streets for various, you know, things, and it turns out society did reshape itself as a result of the 1970s, so um, on the assumption that we are in the middle of a revolution, society will reshape itself, and we're in the in the process of it, I've, of that I have no doubt. Um if um, let's call it conservative voices think that we can go backward, well, they thought the same thing in the 1970s, didn't they?
1: Absolutely, right. No, so. I, I agree with you, I think we're going going forward in a different way, uh, and we get to be part of redesigning that.
0: Well, all power to you, Prue. Thank you. And um, congratulations on having this uh, this big voice, because I did forget to say at the start, um, that you are in the, you've been in a list of the 100 most influential people when it comes to this world. The, I think we're gonna, can we stop calling it D&I, Diversity and Inclusion? It's like just normal, right? Just in this second revolution world, you are one of the leaders in our country. So congratulations for that. Now this is Freddie, as I said earlier, uh, and what I, what we'd like to do. Is, so Freddie's looking at me like he wants to ask you a question. So
2: <laughs> Freddie, over to you thanks Russ and thank you Prue. Um, so as you were just uh, you mentioned the pill before Russ and uh, talking about flexible working arrangements as well it would seem to me that a huge part of uh, the story of gender equity um, in the workplace seems to be you know, led if not incurred by technology um, so I'm wondering if I could put a, a huge question to you uh, if uh, sort of the next hurdle as we Let's say in a a couple of years we get flexible working arrangements. What might that next sort of technological leap be to um, sort of what's the last remaining challenge? Would it be sort of more of a respect or a cultural and how might tech play a role in that maybe?
1: Wow, that's a massive question to end on. (laughs) Do you know I, I. I think in some ways we don't actually know what uh, – well, I, firstly, yes, I think respect is critical to it. Um, but in some ways we don't actually know what that technical uh, revolution element will be. And I think if we just look even at what ChatGPT's done pretty much in a couple of days for organisations and and transforming, you know, potentially creative industry – um and content uh focus well
0: i have to interrupt here if i may chat gpt it's boring it's actually in fact freddie you were the person who wrote about this first it actually is the opportunity for the creative industry because you'll be able to just burst out and say actually i am i am a human being and i am original sorry (laughs) <laughs> you know, like seriously, I just like chat GPT. seriously, it's so boring.
1: Yes. However, it's accessible um, to, from a mainstream perspective and I think it shows the power of technology uh, yeah. and the opportunities that can present. So, yeah, maybe, it's
2: it's a, maybe if I, you know, to, you know, to draw upon your point there, Russ, um, if, as it, develops and, you know, the human voice becomes more valued, um, uh, maybe the way it can impact gender equity, as you were saying before, Prue, about um, just starting with that human lens, that it's really going to create a societal value for just the humanity. It's really going to shine a light on that. Maybe. Maybe.
0: Yeah, but I'm frightened by the idea, I mean, chat GPT will have no bias, that's for certain, right?
1: Frightening. The, the degree of you know, bias in all of AI yeah. is deeply concerning. Yeah. But I think going back to, uh, to that question too, and it prompted me to reflect on um, you know, what's happened in the UK. So the UK introduced about three years ago uh, transparency legislation around the gender pay gap and uh, somebody created a bot so that every time on International Women's Day uh, a leader from an organization tweeted about yeah their gender equality yeah that bot tweeted their gender pay gap <laughs> yeah so it's sorry
0: it, it just the gender the pay gap thing it really does interest me because if you're the, if you're a boss part of part of part of what you're trying to do is actually get the best talent you can for the least amount of money
1: yes <laughs> right you might guess yeah
0: well, you are. You're trying to do a deal.
1: Yes, but if you know that uh, you have, it an doesn't. Up- it
0: goes both ways. It goes both ways. If if I'm replacing a position that was held by a woman, part of being a good boss is get that position replaced by someone even more talented and pay them less. less. Money. That is part of doing a good. That's part of. Not, it, it 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 interests me so much. Is it, does a workplace exist for the workers or for the shareholders?
1: Both. <laughs> can't have one without the other, can you? <laughs>
0: oh, dear.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's so, but let's go back to the I primers. mean, we might
1: be upending capitalism mm. by the end of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: I, be, I, I do believe in the notion of, let's, you know, it, we used to call it triple bottom, triple yes, bottom line, line, right? Reporting. Same thing, right? Same thing now. Of course, yes. we all believe in it. But in the end, in the end, profitability is pretty important, yeah?
1: But I think that's what we where I we started is around that business case for gender equality sure. or the, the economic sure. business case is actually profitability. So it should not be... We always end up that actually... So we don't really believe in it.
0: No, I do. So, But what I do believe is that life is complex yes. and most of us operate in the grey no matter how hard we try and make it black and white.
1: It's definitely not black and white. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you.
0: Great to chat to you, Prue. Well we done, Freddie. Chat. Oh, hang on. We didn't do – are you able to mix a waterside with a pub? Is it possible to mix? Uh, let me give it a go now. Let's see if we can do that because what we tend <laughs> to do – what we like to do at the end is beautifully fade in with our chosen audio. Now, what you've done, Prue, is because you've, com- you've made it complex <laughs> – Actually, and you haven't said, I don't, you know, I don't want one, I want both. <laughs>
1: all right. I want that sandy beach. No.
0: Yeah. Oh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> I think I got it. You've, you've managed to mix it? Yeah. I don't want to make a choice, I want to have it, to have it all. <laughs> In Absolutely. which case it would have been five sounds, wouldn't it? <laughs> Good on you, Prue.
1: Thank you.